and welcome, Mahabave Hoshkeldenez, to our podcast, Talking Round North Cyprus. It's great that you've joined us again. And if it's your first time, welcome. Um, I'm Sarah Palmer and uh, I have an apartment in North Cyprus. And I do this podcast with my good friend uh, and former BBC Jersey colleague, Roger Barra. And uh, delighted to welcome him uh, back. I'm going to say back because you've been traveling, Roger. And is this the first time you've been away since since the pandemic and everything was shut down? The first time you've been off the island? Hello, everybody. Hello, Sarah. Yes, indeed. You're right. It's the first time in two and a half years that me and Mrs. B um, have ventured forth. Uh, this was to my youngest son's wedding in Copenhagen. And I've got to tell you that we were both quite apprehensive because living on Jersey, then living in the TRNC, we used to flying you know in some cases every three or four weeks at least every couple of months for like the last 35 years and suddenly to face flying and and possible restrictions even though you know we're now the beginning of june 2022 uh, we were both a little bit nervous but we had to wear masks going from Erjan to Istanbul and onwards to Copenhagen with Turkish Airlines. But coming back, there were absolutely no restrictions. We weren't even asked for vaccination at Copenhagen, no restrictions on the plane. And it really seemed to me, even though it's the only you know second time I've traveled mm. after a week ago, it seems to me that everything appears to be back to normal. Now, Copenhagen Airport suffered from quite extensive one-hour queues uh, going through security. And that, they say, is just due to lack of staff. Uh, but nowhere near as bad as what I'm reading at Gatwick, at oh, Doncaster. In fact, all around, I'm hearing in the UK, there are huge, huge problems. Oh, absolutely. And where are we now? We're Saturday. This is coming out on, on Sunday. And I'm travelling on Tuesday from Gatwick, EasyJet. And yeah, I mean, I've been reading the news the past week on BBC Northampton, and that's all there is, all about the travel chaos. And, and everybody's blaming everybody. I mean, the trouble is the travel industry, as you know, completely shut down, shut down for almost two years. You know, people just lost their jobs. I mean, they couldn't be supported or found other jobs. And then suddenly restrictions are lifted. Everybody's like, oh, we've got because we've got a jubilee weekend. So it's a long weekend, half term. Everybody's like, right, let's go. Holidays are cheap. I mean, there are thousands of holidays out there. You know, so everybody's booked holidays and, and then they get to the airport and find that they, they can't cope. And you're just like, well, why sell the holidays in the first place if you didn't have the staff? Um, I mean, I can understand you can't recruit staff and train them and, on a Monday and have them there on a Friday. So it's a bit of everything. And as I say, the travel industry are blaming the government. The government said, well, we supported you. So it's really just one of those sort of perfect storms. And then, of course, everybody's traveling at the, at the same time. And of course, there's Brexit as well, uh, yeah. which doesn't help in finding some of the staff that used to work in the industry. But as I said, Copenhagen, um, slight delays going into security. But apart from that, uh, there wasn't one cancelled flight when I looked yeah. last night from Copenhagen. So it's a completely uh, different kettle of fish. So my first flights, you know, after so long, I've got to say, went really smoothly. And yesterday's flight, we got back late last night. It just felt everything was back to normal. Nobody was wearing a mask at Copenhagen. Nobody was wearing a mask on the plane. 
And our attitude was, well, if we're going to get COVID, we've been to the wedding. We actually got there. You know, it's been in the planning for three years almost. If we get it now, it's okay because, you know, there's no deadline to meet. There's nowhere to go. So fingers crossed we don't. No. Well, that's the thing. That's the thing, isn't it? And so aside from that, I mean, you had a lovely time, I'm guessing, you know, and it was nice to be somewhere else and drink somebody else's wine. (laughs) It was fantastic because we met members of our dual families that we hadn't seen for so long so it was quite emotional as well as a special occasion uh we went did all the touristy things so we went to the touristy part of copenhagen and i'm not kidding you the price of a bottle of wine in one establishment was six the equivalent of 1600 teller 1600 tl that's 80 pound for an ordinary bottle of wine you know this isn't some incredible oh, rare vintage this is just boxed this was actually Aust- austrian sauvignon blanc i didn't it's okay it's, it's a it's it's an okay wine if you if you like sovi uh but the next bar it was my round and luckily it was down to 60 pounds a bottle but i've recently put on uh, social media very and i've said on this podcast i'm very disappointed to hear in the trnc that the duty on alcohol came shooting down but it made no difference to just about everywhere the prices stayed at their all-time high and i'll find out today whether it, that's still the case but i tell you what after paying what I had to pay in Copenhagen, I, I hope I never complain about the price of alcohol in the TRNC again. <laughs> if we ever get onto that subject, I will remind you of that in future podcasts yeah. if we're ever talking about wine. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That's incredible. That's almost Swiss prices. You know, when I lived in Switzerland, it was incredibly incredibly pricey uh, there as well so uh, well I'm glad you had a lovely time and I'm glad it was good to travel and uh, you know restrictions have lifted that's certainly what I've heard and uh, uh, looking forward as I say to coming over next week we're only over for a week it's uh, it's going to be a bit of a flying visit I'm coming with my mum and my son and they haven't been away my mum certainly hasn't been away since November 19 when we last um, well when I, when I was over at uh, that time for my birthday so uh, really looking forward and I'm, I spoke to somebody yesterday, actually, and they said that it was about 36 degrees, um, 36 Celsius. And then I've seen today somebody said, oh, and it's going to rain for four days. So, um, <laughs> so what am I expecting? I mean, to be honest, any heat is better than England. But um, what's it going to be like? The way, the way this newspaper article on Facebook this morning was worded, it sounded like it's going to rain nonstop for four yes, days. Like but, you, biblical. But, but you know what it's like over here. It means it's going to rain maybe once or twice during those four days. That's what normally happens if right. it happens at all in June. I wouldn't worry about it. No, because, uh, it'll just cool the air a little bit. Yeah, and the wine's cheap here, Sarah. There is nothing to worry about. If the weather's inclement, just go to the bar. Yes, I'll, meet, I'll meet you there. Perfect, perfect. Yes, yes. Yeah, it is. I suppose it, it's worthwhile mentioning the rain because it's so so infrequent that actually it becomes a bit of a news item, the fact that it is yeah. going to rain. <laughs> perfect. Um, and also something that we um, mustn't talk about is something that you've seen in the paper. Um, and we mustn't mention the ruling elite. Is that right now? What's happened well, now we, about criticising? I think it's, it's a, a worrying development 
It's a bit like, you know, Boris and his government back in the UK changing rules and regulations to suit them. But this is, we can mention the ruling elites, but we can't criticise them. For instance, I don't know if this is retrospective, retrospective law, and I'm not even sure if it's law yet, but it's certainly in the planning stage. On this podcast just a few weeks ago, I was mentioning that coalition, new coalition government spent their time bickering rather than seeing to the daily needs of their country folk. And I'm not sure whether that would constitute criticism. And if so, we're talking about a jail term of of some five years. So I think that's a little bit of a sinister development, but I'm not quite sure how it's all going to work. So we'll, yeah. we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, I'm, I don't like criticising anything in the TRNC. I'm in a foreign land. I have to abide by their rules and are very happy to do so. But on this podcast, I think, you know, we need to tell it how it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And if that means giving an opinion, I don't see the harm in that. But we'll we just have to be careful. I yes. say, not my, not my country, but let's hope it's not as austere as it sounds. Yes, it'd be interesting to, well, we've had some political commentators on here and journalists, um, Eltan and Ibeck. So maybe it'd be worth you know, at some point sort of getting their take on it and see sort of uh, mm. as, as it progresses, we'll, uh, we'll keep in touch with that. Right, let's, uh, let's get to our guest then. A gentleman called James Clark, uh, someone who has really embraced living in the TRNC and has sort of organically grown a couple of businesses and sort of represents that entrepreneurial spirit, if you like, that once you get, well, once you get all through the paperwork, you can thrive in North Cyprus. And he and his partner, Alice, They've just had a baby. Didn't go so well to begin with, but I asked him when he joined me on the podcast if everything was okay now. Yeah, every, every everyone is really well. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, Alice, she basically wasn't wasn't too well afterwards due to a reaction to the anaesthetic. But um, the hospital, which was medical port, were fab. You could literally phone the doctor anytime, and they said come back in. We came back in, and then they gave her some amazing, amazing drips, amazing drugs, and then they sent us home again. And then they told us to come back the next day. And then we went back the next day. And we were going at eight in the morning and eight in the evening for about, I don't know, three, four days. All, all's well now, but uh, not what you really want to expect when you've got a, a four-day-old baby traipsing across town. But I'm just pleased that really that the, the hospital would be great. Fantastic. Well, that's good to know. And everything's well, apart from the fact, obviously, you don't get any sleep now. Um, <laughs> you've got a, four, a very small baby in the house. <laughs> very, very, very much. Just getting used to uh, two hours sleep. And then up for an hour and a half, then two hours sleep. She's consistent. She's consistently yeah. awake and consistently asleep and consistently awake again. Yeah, yeah, that'll change. Um, <laughs> anyway, let's let's move on. So let's take you right back to the beginning. And how did you come to be living in North Cyprus? What is your connection with the TRNC? About twenty-two years ago, maybe even longer than that. Now, uh, my parents were actually babysitting for my cousin. So I can't remember how old Luke is now. And they saw uh, an advert for Cyprus Paradise, would you believe, in, in the magazine. And my mother said, oh, I said, we should go there on holiday. And so they came out here to North Cyprus on holiday. And they always said that they never, ever wanted to go to the same place more than once. That was their kind of rule. And, they were, and so basically the next year they came back to Cyprus again on holiday. And then they went to Cyprus probably three or four times. 
And then they said, we looked at it so much, they actually um, bought a house off a plan in Alston Jack, and they bought uh, an apartment in Guinea, actually, which is Patara City, used to be a field many, 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 many years ago. I came out here on holiday 20, 22 years ago myself, and when my mum and dad uh, moved out here 17 years ago, I obviously used to come out to North Cyprus on a regular basis and enjoyed it a lot. And I was working in the corporate world about 10 years ago, 11 years ago now, enjoying it, but working very hard and not really having much life, as it were. I was uh, definitely living to work. Um, I was just out there all the time working, not really having much time for life. And then um, there was an opportunity where I could basically give up the corporate life, as it were. And I persuaded uh, Alice to join me, who had never been to North Cyprus, but she'd heard me talk about it and knew that my parents lived there. That's a leap of faith. Yeah, it was a leap of faith, wasn't it? When we were looking for houses, I kept sending her ruins, by the way. I kept finding the oldest ruin, just a wall. (laughs) And she was saying, it must have a roof. So then I just found one with three walls and a roof, but didn't have four walls. uh, So, um, yeah, we came out about 11 years ago. And the idea was, we thought, just to have a bit of a break, see mum and dad, spend some time with them. And we probably thought at the time that six to nine months later, I might jump back on the corporate wheel, maybe in the Middle East, Dow and I might go do something else. Who knew? It was just kind of, there's not many people that have the opportunity, I suppose, to take a year out. We had that opportunity. And here we are, 11 <laughs> years later or 10 years later, still here. With a baby. With a lot of stuff that's happened in between. And, and, and a child, uh, yeah, basically only born on the 10th of this month. Wow. Wow. Fantastic. Fantastic. So while you were there then, did you sort of find a bit of an entrepreneurial spirit in the TRNC? I mean, did you sort of think, you know, I, I can live here, I can work here? How easy was it for you to sort of get involved, if you like? And and because I know you've got lots of fingers in lots of pies. So so where did it sort of start then? Well, because of becoming here on holiday for some time, I actually knew a few people already, thankfully. Mm. Um, and there was a chap here that was running a Jeep Safari company. And um, and he phoned me up and said, I need a driver. And he said, uh, a couple of people let me down. He said, do you fancy coming just driving for me for a day every now and then? You know, and that would also help you so that you don't become like a typical expat down the bar all the time or the pub or, you know, <laughs> you know not too much bronzed on the beach or something. But um, he saved he, you from yourself, did he? <laughs> he did save me from myself. Yeah. And so I just went out driving with him for a, a, a couple of days a week sometimes, just helping him out more than anything and just keeping me busy. And he decided with his wife that they were going to go back to the UK. And then Alice and I had a conversation and said, well, hey, why don't we, why don't we have a chat with him and find out what he's doing with this Jeep Safari business? And we bought it. And so we bought the, the Land Rovers and we set up our own limited company as foreigners, which is quite challenging here. So there, we had no Cypriot partner. So we literally had to um, jump through hoops of fire and crawl across coals. And, and we also paid a lot of money and invested a lot of time to allow us to have different kinds of permissions. Not many people know, but with business here, you actually have to say what it is you're going to do. You couldn't start up in tourism and then the next day become a hairdresser. You actually have to get the permission to become a hairdresser and also have a tourism permissions. So um, our permissions were quite broad and with the intention that possibly in the future, if we want to expand um, or change direction, that we would be able to do so. All right. All right. That's interesting. So was that the sort of um, the baby of Cyprus Active then? Is that what Cyprus Active has now become? 
Yeah, very much. I mean, we just did the Jeep Safaris that was already there. And so we just ran with that for a little while and um, basically learned how to navigate within the business community of North Cyprus. And then, as always, because uh, I, I, in the corporate world, I was part entrepreneurial, as it were, I helped set up branches. And if it, parts of the business were failing, I used to go in and help uh, try and turn those around. So um, I tried to apply some of that knowledge and some of that experience uh, with Cyprus Active, with Alice and I, and then we started to grow it. So we now offer boat tours, Jeep safaris. There was a vineyard that opened, I think, four years ago, five years ago. So we had a chat with them. And now we do a Jeep and vineyard tour. So basically, people can go do a bit of a mini Jeep tour up in the mountain. Then we appear literally at the foothills of the vineyard, where they can have a have a tour of the vineyard, have a nice meal overlooking the vines. Then they can drink six different kinds of wines and different tastings. And then we pour them back in the Land Rover and then we drive them home again. So uh, they don't have to worry about drink driving because we're the ones doing the driving. So, yeah, we've expanded into different kinds of areas within the tourism sector. Yeah, we, hopefully we've got a good reputation. Well, I know we've got a good reputation and hopefully um, we continue to, 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 to grow, especially after the last couple of years. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, you've got people coming back. I mean, do you see growth in the tourism industry? I mean, my apartment is over sort of Iskele way. And, you know, every time I go back, there are more and more apartments, more blocks going up, another hotel and that sort of thing, which is great. Although, you know, you sort of think, oh, you know, this is a bit of a sort of corner of a forgotten world. You know, I don't want you to sort of too many people here, but it does bring business, doesn't it? And presumably opens up, you know, more avenues for, for businesses like yourself. It does. Yeah. If, if we forget the COVID years, we were growing year on year. I mean, exponentially growth, growth was fantastic. But obviously, COVID years probably set us back, I would say, even five years. Um, last year was really a write-off. This year, we have seen a considerable improvement. Um, loads of adverts uh, in the UK on terrestrial TV. Uh, that's, I think, helped somewhat. And so it's great that the tourism ministry are investing. And basically, we are seeing an improvement. We're nowhere near numbers as we were the year before uh, covid um, and I probably estimate that next year will be the the real true example uh, um, of whether we're back or, or, or not. But so what we're really doing this year, we're not we're not just treading water. We are beginning to pay bills, and we're beginning to pay some of the bills that we owe from the previous two years as well. <laughs> yes, but, <laughs> like so many of us. <laughs> yes. So what did you do during lockdown? Because as you say, you know, a business like yours, literally, you know, you have to mothball it, don't you? Because nobody was coming in and out so so what did you do with your with yourself because you're you're not one of those people I would imagine that sits still for very long no so we basically helped some friends that were with a restaurant a great restaurant actually in Gas, go and see them at Hoops so you know spent some time with them got the house lots of decorating I'm sure the same <laughs> as everyone else the garden you know is great we've got pumps you know working for a well you know things things that we always put off because normally in the summer season you're so busy um, literally working seven days a week you know for eight months a year something like that the big long list of jobs that we've always put off we started working our way through that and um, also um, sadly uh, my mother uh, passed away uh, two years ago um, she wasn't very well uh, unfortunately with cancer Got back to the UK and sadly, basically, it's a neuroendocrine tumour. So she has something in uh, common with uh, Steve Jobs um, and a few other famous people. I mean, it's quite a, a rare cancer, uh, but unfortunately, we, we lost her a couple of years ago, yeah. which led on to something else, which was that 10 years ago, my grandmother had died 
and no one really wanted to kind of uh, speak. It's, yeah, I understand it's challenging. Um, I have done some public speaking with my corporate world. So I stood up and did a little bit on behalf of my grandmother. And the celebrant at the time said that maybe you should consider doing something about that. And I always thought that maybe I, you know, I, I could or would or should. And then my mum passed away two years ago. And I thought, well, we're sitting doing nothing at home. And maybe this is the opportunity to actually investigate that uh, a little bit more. And so Alice, actually, bless her, she went onto the internet, unbeknown to me, and did some research. And she came back and said, I've been doing some research and found the UK, UK Society of Celebrants. And there's a course on here. And basically, you can do it online because of COVID. So you're in North Cyprus, and these guys are in the UK. It's a fairly intensive course. And they do a family one, which means you can do uh, a celebrant for funerals, or you could be uh, weddings, or you can do naming ceremonies. Um, and she said, so, you know, how do you feel? And so based, why don't you sign up? So I did. So we, I signed up. And um, because we weren't doing a great deal, it meant um, that I could actually get two lessons in a week sometimes, um, and also complete the, the homework. And then I became qualified 18 months ago um, with the UK Society of Celebrants as a fully qualified celebrant. So I then um, basically uh, conducted my first uh, funeral about three weeks after being qualified in North Goodness. Cyprus. Yeah, goodness. And so that's obviously for local poop. So was there sort of nothing much, you know, in in TRNC, particularly for expats? Are, are, are you looking after, you know, the sort of the British sort of side of things in particular? Yeah, there, there were actually um, some celebrants here already, which I wasn't aware of, really, because it wasn't something that, uh, thankfully, um, yeah. I had been involved with on a local level. But what I had noticed uh, you know, I've gone to a couple of funerals here, is that it's very, um, uh, it's not organised insofar as a British funeral, okay? And it's quite basic. I appreciate that we're in a Muslim country, but it's very quick. So if someone passes away, you're looking at the funeral to be arranged three, four days later, um, yeah. sometimes sometimes sooner. And then there were basically, you know, the typical British flowers. And then you've got basically a blistering heat where people are doing the ceremony underneath it and um yeah it's, it's just not quite the same so when we the first time I did the a ceremony I get to actually go and see the family and talk to them and talk about the bereaved talk, talk, talk sorry about the deceased with the bereaved and actually write a ceremony about them and so that it actually becomes a, um, a celebration of their life um and not literally just kind of this you know factory kind of someone's passed away there's the cemetery put them in the ground and and mm. basically move on because there is no there are no cremations here in north cyprus everything oh, that right? that's correct yeah is that a muslim thing or is that a just um, how it is i mean I, 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 it actually under the muslim faith my understanding is that cremation isn't allowed right however north cyprus is secular and they're very good at allowing the international community to to basically, you know, the Catholic churches here, the Church of England, um, and they're allowing us to basically have international cemeteries as well. There is now actually a pet cremation. It, it's starting, I suppose. <laughs> Maybe someone in the future will open a crematorium for the international community. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, there we are. That's maybe maybe that's it. That's what you're expanding to. Who knows? Who knows? So has that now sort of you, you were saying then, you know, that you're talking to families. So is that sort of 
growing, you know, in 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 your role. Yeah, very very much, and it, it, it it's happened organically. So what's 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 really happened? So I go and see a family, the bereaved family, and talk talk about uh, the deceased, and then we put the ceremony together. And then someone would say to me, "Well, we really want, you know, you know the flowers you have in the in in the UK. You know, we want a nice heart." You know, or um, we really, really wanted just the flowers and in her name or mum or nan. And I, and, and I would turn around and say, I have no idea. I said, but I'll tell you what, I'll go off and see if I can find out for you. And so I, I, I would, so I'd go off and, and then I'd come back and say, yeah, we can, we can, we can do a heart. And I found someone that will do a, a mum or a nan or whatever. And, um, and then someone would come along and say, well, actually, I don't really want a normal uh, coffin you know we really wanted something that's a little bit more environmentally friendly you couldn't find someone that maybe to her I don't know a bamboo one mm-hmm. and so like, I have no idea so off we go and we find and then we come back and then someone said well I don't really like the uh, massive mausoleum kind of uh, headstones that you see uh, predominantly here can you just do a traditional kind of British uh, headstone or and I went again I have no idea let me go let me find a stonemason <laughs> and then I come back and then and then we kind of and then we kind of go back and go and look at it and think well hang on a second people are now they're after flowers they're after um, traditional ceremony they want it to look good they want environmentally friendly coffins they want ones that are like mahogany they want basically a coffin to be on the side of the ceremony and then lowered they want uh, a hearse which I've managed to source as well here from an amazing Belediese that's understanding a municipality um, for other listeners and then all of a sudden we realized with actually another chap called uh, uh, Steve Hackett that maybe we should look at this a little bit more seriously and um and lo and behold we've now kind of got international funeral services working it's in its it's in its i would say infancy but it's it's more like in its toddler stage you know <laughs> and it's uh and and it's progressing yeah and the other thing that i think is also important is that if you're not speaking turkish which is and you're an expatriate an international uh uh person living here um the bureaucracy is quite challenging and also we've helped quite a few people with that as well mm. you know where to go where you know going to the uh the doctor getting the death certificate going to the births and deaths registry which is uh Kaima Kanaluk, um and helping them with that kind of stuff as well and so really basically if someone phones us our aim and our objective really is going to be this is that if someone passes away phone us first and then we literally will lead them step by step, hold their hand step by step all the way um, from that moment. And if obviously someone's passed away at home, they will help them phone the police because that must be done. And we'll be there with them so that there's someone that can communicate with the police in Turkish. Yeah. We'll be there with them when someone's got to go to the morgue. We'll be with them when basically maybe the body's got to be identified, which it has to before anybody's released. We'll be there for the bureaucracy. We'll be there talking to your municipality. Maybe you don't want to be married in the National Cemetery near where you live. Maybe somewhere else will help you with that. Yeah. So rather than this scary minefield during a time when you are already, you know, yeah. off kilter and emotionally going through a, a difficult time that will be there to be able to help them. Yeah. Wow. So again, something sort of, you know, that started off sort of like quite small as again, as sort of grown as you've seen a need. 
yeah, yeah, organically and and, and, and not intentional, not intentional. No, you know, no. I, um, yeah, I, it, it's strange. You think, you know, Mum passed away two years ago, and I thought it's something I really wanted to do because, you know, uh, after her passing away, because my mum was in the UK, my family were here. My mother went uh, actually direct to cremation, and then her ashes were brought back here, and that got me thinking about obviously funeral yeah. ceremonies and uh, and the like. Um, and from that little kind of seed. Here we are, hopefully, uh, helping some families here um, yeah. through a very difficult time. Yeah. So what takes more time at the moment? I mean, Cyprus Active or, or, or the sort of funeral director side of things? I mean, is there a balance at the moment that you're trying to achieve? Yeah. Um, yeah, very much. Thankfully for me, um, basically just before COVID, we realised that we wanted to look at other areas Alice basically wanted to become, uh, was really interested in being a teacher and working full time at uh, Cyprus Active as, as the, you know, the company secretary and 50% shareholder. That, is, that was just impossible. So during COVID, um, she actually helped. She already had a degree. And so she requalified basically as a, as a, within the education area. And she's actually just finished and I'll probably get this wrong, her postgraduate certificate of education. Wow. Um, wow. Which I think is a third of a master's. And she's been working at a school for the last two years. Brilliant. And so to enable that to happen, uh, we needed someone else to help me. And so we sold Alice's uh, shares. So basically, I actually got to fire my own partner in the company. So that was... <laughs> That was good. I hope you were nice to her about it. I was, yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't an Alan Sugar. You were fired. It yes, was uh, yeah. over the over the kitchen table. Over the kitchen table. No, it wasn't. No, at all. No. So uh, basically, uh, a chap called Mal Brown. He basically is now my business partner with regards to uh, Cypress Active. Uh, unfortunately for him, he just took it on board just as COVID uh, as the pandemic oh, and the COVID hit. Oh. Uh, but testament to him, he's. He, Use that time to basically understand the business. He's used that time to uh, make sure that when we were up and running, he could literally uh, get straight out the blocks and, and, and get out there. And he has. And, you know, we're running, I would say, probably about just under half capacity that we normally would be at this time of year. Yeah. But he's doing a great job. And, by, and all I am really doing is supporting him at the moment, helping him where needed, more on the navigation with regards to the business community and the tourism sector here and probably i hope and i'm sure um within the next year he'll be up and running on his own and not needing as much input for myself which in turn will then allow uh me to concentrate more on the uh, international funeral services and helping the international community here yeah fantastic i mean the way we got to know you was that you came around and fixed our telly I know. I mean, mean, (laughs) that's a sort of a little bit of a side shoot as well, isn't it? I mean, I know, you know, on Facebook and if anybody says, oh, how do I how do I get my fire stick to work? Oh, you need to speak to James. So, I mean, that's how we got to know you. I mean, again, that's a little bit just of a little bit of a sideline, is it as well? Yeah, That was just to help people, really. And, 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 you know, it's it's nothing important. It's just that I got fed up at home and not watching any telly. And then so I just (laughs) found out how to do it. And then other people then phone and go, Oh, James knows how to do it. And yeah, there's not a lot is. going on. So I just really <laughs> go out and help people. It's not yeah. really my core business. It's not anything that I really want to concentrate on. It's, you know, there are many, many people out there that do it full time. Um, and they're more than welcome to do that. Um, it just stopped me. You know, I think it stopped Alice killing me, basically, being at home all the time. It, it basically meant that other Lots people... Lots of people can watch telly yeah. when they come yeah, back. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it meant that during, the, during COVID times and whatever, they could actually watch telly and do something rather than YouTube. 
yeah absolutely yes or trying to trying to get onto netflix or whatever so you're talking there about sort of going going back when you started your business you know going through hoops and going through coal uh, over coal hot coals and that sort of thing Mm. um is it still like that do you think for 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 foreigners to set up businesses in the trnc do you see it changing any time are they a little bit more open to foreigners coming in and and you know bringing up i mean you're you're bringing great things to cyprus you know but are they are they they seeing that yeah the answer is yes and it it is a little easier my concern often is you get these hand holders and i would say that you you would i would recommend if you do want to open a company you either talk to someone that's already owned a business or does own a business out there um, to help you with that and if you do go to a handholder, make sure it's one that is reputable, not just, you know, uh, someone doing it as a, as, as a yeah. sideline. And they can the, show you through all the process that you need to, to do. Yeah, yeah. I, I've, I've heard some kind of horror stories of people um, using handholders and they part with their money. And then at the end of it all, basically, the, the government says, no, we don't really want you becoming a, I don't know, whatever. Yeah, hairdresser. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So coming towards the end now, so... How do you sort of see your daughter's future in the TRNC? I mean, it's a sort of big question and you haven't really got a crystal ball, but, um, you know, happy to bring her up there and schooling. I mean, you, you, you're, your partner's now a teacher as well. So you're sort of into that um, side of things as well. So it's all uh, all feeling good for you and your family? Yeah, very, very much. I think our daughter's name is uh, Lyra Esme. Oh, I love and that. and um, yeah, I think. For her to grow up here in her younger uh, younger years, I mean, you look at it, the crime is really low. Uh, we've got amazing weather, amazing beaches, mountains. We go walking with the dogs in the springtime up on the mountain. You've got sports, water sports. There's, you know, football, judo, every kind of parasailing archery. You can even learn to um, basically jump off the mountain. You know, there are people doing that, paragliding. There's plenty of stuff to do. Um, there are some great, uh, private schools uh, here. My partner Alice, she, she works at Bellape School um, just up the road. It's got a great primary school, and um, you know so there's some good education here for them. So at the moment, yeah. yeah my concern, yeah. Uh, and, and it's also Alice's concern, is what happens when she's older. What happens when she leaves school? You know, this is a uh, predominantly, I would say, from the international community, a, uh, a tourism uh, sector, island, and also services sector. What, is, what does that mean for her future? I don't know. But that's a long way off yet. And a, lot of stuff, and a lot of stuff can happen to the islands between now and then. Yeah. Yeah. And who knows what that is. And, you know, and you've given her a great setup. And I mean, I guess she'll, you know, being there, she'll immerse herself. She'll learn Turkish as well. So she'll have that under her belt, you know, which is a great thing for a child, you know, when you just sort of, you know, get it, learn it by osmosis almost. So that would be brilliant. Yeah. And she can, yeah, go, well, the words are oyster, isn't it really? So um, definitely. But I know she will be horse riding for a fact because uh, Alice goes horse riding. We do horse riding with Cypress Active and uh, Al goes, well, hasn't for the last year. And I know she's dying to get back, basically back uh, horse riding. So uh, I'm a little bit concerned as to how, how much it might cost us with regards to horses, because, you know, I, I know Lyra's only, only three weeks old, but uh, already you know, we were watching uh, TV today and Alice was like, all of those horses there, look, look at that one there, Lyra, look at that one. The so, first uh, words will be, Daddy, I want a pony. 
<laughs> it's possible that that might be her first constructed sentence, yes. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> well, James, it's been brilliant chatting to you. Thank you. So just give us uh, details of a Cypress Active, but also uh, your funeral directors as well, if people want to get yeah, in touch. Yeah, so um, if anyone's interested in uh, basically uh, a tour, an activity, and to find, uh, discover, and experience uh, uh, North Cyprus, that's Cypress Active. So that's www.cypressactive.com. And if you know, have a family member or uh, anyone uh, needs advice, basically, uh, with regards uh, to the funerals, that at the moment, which isn't live because we have some challenges, that's my Chris. <laughs> so uh, that's internationalfuneralservices.org or expatfuneralservices.com. So that was James, James Clark. Um, as I said, uh, Roger, lots of fingers in lots of pies. And he's one of these people that... Uh, you know, really does, you know, seem to sort of capture the entrepreneurial spirit. So he sort of found, you know, found a niche much to say, oh, well, you know, this needs doing. So so I'll do that. So so that's great, isn't it? I found that very inspirational, you know, especially for, for younger people that might come over. You know, there, there are possibilities. And even, you know, the pandemic, which has ruined so many things, uh, James, and these companies have got through that and things are picking up and we can only wish him the very best for the future. Yeah. So thanks again for listening. It's been great having you here. Uh, do click subscribe so you know when our next one is out. And uh, if you've got a story you want to tell us or you know somebody that has, then we'd love to hear from you. You can get in touch with us in various ways. You can email trnc.podcast at gmail.com. We're on Facebook and Twitter. Just look for Talking Round North Cyprus. I'm Sarah Palmer. And I'm Roger Barr. So good to be back in the TRNC. Look forward to talking to you again very, very soon.